I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I am your host, Rebecca Cressman, and joining us in studio today is Viet Le. Now, he is a cardiology physician assistant with Intermountain Medical Center, and I guess I should say, in particular, the Intermountain Healthcare Heart Institute. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for inviting us. Now, um, yeah, before we came into the studio, I mentioned that you are both a practitioner and a researcher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a very unique position. There's very few that actually, uh, well, uh, ostensibly, I'm a researcher first, okay. actually, uh, now. And then I, I do see patients um, kind of part-time. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me because one of the things that the Intermountain Medical Center or the healthcare unit is known for is its work in cardiology. I mean, it's just, it's renowned across uh, the country because of that. And today we're going to talk about a new type of CT scan that we want people to be aware of, at least new for me. And it's called the coronary artery calcium score. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what it is and how it helps us identify the heart health? Sure. And, And actually coronary calcium scoring, um, was first identified on even chest x-rays back in the day. Uh, it's only really been uh, in the past decade, a little over a decade, uh, that we've really recognized how well it predicts risk of having a heart attack. Um, in the current technology era, we have multi-slice coronary CTs or CAT scans. So, you know, you hear of a, a CAT scan. That's what we use. Um, you can put someone right into that bore uh, in you know on the gurney, and they go right through that hole. Been, and been there, done that. You're laying still, <laughs> right, and the machine right. is going above you. Yeah, but unlike an MRI, which takes forever, it's very close in on you um, and makes all those sounds. A CT scan has a, a wider bore, um, so you don't feel as claustrophobic, but it's very quick, depending on how many slices that CT is able to do. Now you're using the term slice. Yeah. Uh, is, does that mean if I take a look at a visual of the heart? That you're able to actually see different portions of the heart. In other words, break it down piece by piece? Yeah, so the slicing is actually the millimeters uh, that we slice uh, into, uh, well, the the picture uh, and how many pictures we're taking as it rotates around the body. Um, So the higher the slice, the quicker the machine and the higher definition picture that you're getting. It's, you know, I guess the, the... the poor person's uh, perception of it would be like pixels, okay. right? Or, uh, you know, a, me- a, a 16 megapixel camera versus a one megapixel. You're getting a really high definition picture and multi slices. So you can, uh, you're hopefully not missing things and they can be reconstructed into a 3D image, which are just beautiful to look at. So, how does that help you as someone who is not only looking at hearts and researching them, but also trying to help get an idea of how healthy someone's heart is. Sure. I mean, you know, currently, um, because of whether they're the resources, whether they have a CT scan available, whether you can even pay for one, etc., um, we use risk scores. We use a lot of risk scores. And we, we try to, to say, you know, high blood pressure 
is associated with heart disease. Diabetes is associated with heart disease. High cholesterol, age, gender, all are associated with, with heart disease. But it's, it's kind of like, well, uh, there's an apple, and it's somewhere in this forest. Now, what the CT scan does is allow us to kind of pick the orchard that we think the apple will most likely be in. But not only that, but we see from a distance, there's some apples in there. Um, and so the coronary calcium scan looks at calcium, which does not exist without plaque. So now we're seeing the actual disease. We're not kind of thinking, well, you're at risk for disease. We're actually seeing the coronary disease there. And so in the past, when we've been talking about how to measure your heart health or measure your risks, we would say do certain things like, you know, every year go see your physician and get your numbers. Take yes. a look at your cholesterol levels, right? Absolutely. Now, cholesterol is different than plaque. Well, so, you know, you can kind of think of cholesterol as the, um, you know, the, the supply. Uh, let's, let's think of coronary disease as a car. Okay. And if you're trying to build the car, you need tires, you need metal, you, you know, you need paint to paint the car. Um, that's kind of cholesterol. It's what creates the plaque. And so without the cholesterol, you probably won't have plaque. So high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all of that, to get your numbers is important because then you say, well, gosh, you know, we, we have enough supply there to potentially build the plaque in the coronary arteries. Ah, but it doesn't necessarily tell us if there is plaque until we take a look at the coronary artery calcium score. That's right. Otherwise, you're, you're really just guessing and you're saying, well, you're at high risk. We can kind of say you have a huge supply of things that could develop the car coronary disease. Um, but now with a coronary calcium scan, you're actually looking to see if the disease is there. Is it something that uh, most of us should be doing? Or at what point do we decide that someone needs to have a coronary or know their coronary calcium score? Yeah, this is a very good question. I, you know, I would not be recommending this in very young folks. Um, coronary disease is a disease of aging. It's a, it's a slow fuse. Uh, in some people, it's a fast fuse. Uh, such as, you know, those with premature disease, earlier than 50 for men and earlier than, you know, uh, 65 for women. Um, so if you're 30, you probably shouldn't get a coronary calcium score. You just haven't had enough of the those supplies. Your right? car is still fairly new. Yeah, it's okay. a fairly new car. You're not going to build uh, all this damage or, or uh, disease within it. But Having said that, guidelines are very clear. We should be knowing our numbers because over time, that blood pressure can lead to heart disease. Over time, high cholesterol can lead to heart disease. Okay, so those are the, the materials that you're looking at. For the, the most recent cholesterol guidelines came out in 2018 at the American Heart Association. And what it did was bring back coronary calcium as a way to really define folks that need treatment. Start with the risk score. This, this is what we call the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk score. I'm glad it's, you're pronouncing that, by the way. <laughs> it's it's a, you know, a lot, of, lot of words there. To shorten it up, we call it ASCVD, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, ASCVD risk score. And it's online. You can go to ASCVD or, or Google that, ASCVD risk score, and it'll pop up. It's, it's um, uh, vetted by the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology. So it's there on their website, and you can put in your numbers if you know your age, your gender, your race. Uh, and then the things that you will need to know are your total cholesterol, high 
density lipoprotein cholesterol, HDL-C, and then LDLC, the low-density lipoprotein cholesterol. And then whether you smoke or not, you should know that um, if you have diabetes or not, or if you're on a uh, medication for blood pressure. All of those go into this risk score. Start there. Now, um, this risk score is developed to define what your risk is in the next 10 years. And what you'll see is you can play around with that scoring, but we look at 7.5% risk in the next 10 years. So that's, you know, the probability of having an event, a heart attack, a stroke, um, in the next 10 years, 7.5% is the uh, start where we recommend that folks think about uh, using a cholesterol medication called a statin. Now, not everyone wants to be on medications. Not everyone uh, wants to be consigned to that medication for the rest of their life. And we're just using these risks, these probabilities. So then you can go ahead and consider a coronary calcium score, which will tell you, do I have plaque or not, or calcified plaque? And we, we see in the literature that folks that have plaque, so let's just say calcium score zero versus greater than zero, those individuals that do have plaque well, now they have the disease. That's the disease that leads to heart attack. Mm. It's not 100% that you're going to have a heart attack, but the risk is higher because now you've developed the disease. It's starting to plaque inside your coronaries. One of the, the most beautiful things to me about the advances in medicine is that it has allowed so many of us that 3D vision and understanding of our bodies before we just really didn't have a vision of, of what it was like going inside or even had the chance to look at the complexity of the heart as a machine and all the different parts to it. Absolutely. So it, it seems extraordinary to me now that there are, there are ways for us to pinpoint whether or not the arteries, right? Can I just say the yeah. the pumps or the what's a better term for an artery? So, so it is just a yeah. vessel. A vessel, right? yeah, okay. If this. there is indeed plaque, which would slow the flow, yes. right? Cause yep. pressure, increase pressure That's in right. the heart. Yeah, we're no yeah. longer guessing whether there's placking, uh, which which is all those risk factors. Is that you're more likely to have plaque? We're just guessing about the plaque. Now we're seeing the plaque. Um, you know, you said something there that to me is – I am a proponent of education, patient education, what we call health literacy. It's not about using simple words when we're talking to patients, but it's bringing them along and seeing visually what's going on. I use an app called CardioSmart Heart Explorer. And actually, I'm, I'm one of the, the edi editors for it, but it's, it's produced by the American College of Cardiology. So it's vetted by a large organization that knows their cardiology. Um, and it provides beautiful visuals, 3D. You can interact with the screen. And so when I talk to a patient in clinic, this is what I use. I let them see what I've learned in school. I didn't go through PA school and just learn by hearing someone we had visuals on the screen. We went to the anatomy lab, to the cath lab, to the cadaver lab, and we saw visually what was going on. I can't expect my patient to understand any of what I'm talking about unless they at least have a foundation of what that heart looks like, where it sits in the chest, what even the coronary arteries are. Um, most, most people who have had multiple procedures, when they come in and I explain these, it's this aha moment when they see visually, and I go through, look, you had stents here. You had a bypass there. 
and the light turns on. This is decades after a procedure. Um, we had the same experience. And for those who've just joined us, this is Viet Le. He's a physician assistant with the Intermountain Healthcare Heart Institute. Uh, we're talking in general right now about the coronary calcium score and how that can help us get more information about our heart health, identify if there's plaque in there. I do have a son who sees a cardiologist. Um, he was born with a, a structural defect, okay? Um, and it limits, it, it squeezes the heart and it's limited the lungs. And in our very uh, most recent appointment, maybe three months ago with a cardiologist at the Intermountain Healthcare Heart Institute, they were able, he was the physician, to turn us um, to a computer screen and show us the uh, images of the heart in motion uh, yes. with, with the latest image. And then we could see, ah, this bone is setting here. I can see this chamber of the heart over here. And that knowledge, it, to me, it takes fear away yes. and fills like it gives you power. Okay, I understand what my limitations are. Yes. And then, number one, what can I do about it, right? right. And number two, is there more prevention? Can, can I do to prevent any worse problems down the road? No, mm-hmm. a- absolutely. And I think, the, the, uh, I think a big problem with our interactions with, with our you know, clinicians uh, is that we come with fear. We, we don't feel good, or maybe we do feel good, but we're worried about this term, this disease that they've thrown out, and we have no structure where to build from. Next thing you know, we have a prescription for this medication or that, but we don't understand actually what it does. Maybe there's a procedure or uh, some type of diagnostic test, but actually we're not sure what that's supposed to tell us or tell them. And so it's nice. I mean, you've described the, the, I, I think, the perfect interaction where a clinician sits down and says, hey, look, this is how I see the anatomy. This is how I see the pathophysiology, how it, uh, it affects you, and what we plan to do. And it makes so much more sense than just words being thrown at you. Uh, you're already worried. Let's ease that. Let's ease that and, and let you know uh, what what we know. If someone right now um, has been listening, and I'm, I'm so glad, if, if you were hearing um, Viet Le talk about um, some of the risk factors for health disease, and, and help me with the pronunciation, atherosclerosis? Atherosclerosis. Oh, atherosclerosis, atherosclerosis yeah. okay. Um, if they have those risk factors, you mentioned some of them, diabetes, obesity, yeah. high blood pressure. Smoking, yeah, smoking, those yeah, things. Absolutely. Do they ask their primary care physician about the calcium score, about obtaining that, or how would they, um, uh, you know, seek out, be more proactive to, to know whether or not they can get access to the CT sure. scan? Sure. No, that that's uh, always. So I, I'm I'm of the mind that the patient should be in the driver's seat for their healthcare. Uh, as a clinician, I'm trained. Um, I have a lot of medical knowledge, but at the same time. Um, I'm trying to treat a population. That patient can always bring up, should I have a coronary calcium score? And, you know, allow me to discuss with you, oh, that's great. Where did you learn that? And we can have a a very intelligent conversation about what the coronary calcium score means. Who should have that? And then we can talk about that specific person in the room uh, or you, the patient in the room, rather than just kind of in generalities, which is what I'm trying to do here is, is to educate that it's there, it's available, and what groups of people. But, you know, you can have that one-on-one intimate conversation with your primary care provider, ask them about the coronary calcium score and, and whether it's worthwhile for you 
as the patient um, based on what that clinician knows. The timeliness of this is perfect because for the month of February, uh, not only the American Heart Association, but medical partners across the country um, celebrate Heart Health Month where we uh, look for opportunities to educate each other more proactively about how to take care of our hearts. Yes. And, and I want to take, since we do have you as not only as a practitioner, but as a researcher, take a few minutes with you to talk about it because, you know, getting the scores, getting the cholesterol levels, knowing our blood pressure, um, knowing our blood sugar levels, yes. seeing the physician regularly once a year, um, or family practice physician, getting those checkups. We know that we need to get those. Right. But what else can we do when you talk about patient-driven care? Yes. What can we do? We're going to go back and say the heart's like a car. <laughs> yes. So we know as we get older, it gets rusted, and, yeah. it, and it, you know, it, it's not as uh, it doesn't have the the torque that it had <laughs> when you were younger. But what do we do to lower our risk of plaque? To lower our risk of uh, atherosclerosis yes. and risk of heart attacks? It's it's that's the point, right? Of of Heart Month and heart health. Um, you know, it's, it sounds easy. It's not because a lot of these are behavioral. Um, it's lifestyle. Lifestyle is the, the main thing that we introduce in terms of improving our heart health. So, you know, you think of the car, I uh, should open the manual and read some things, uh, sometimes in terms of the recommended, uh, uh, follow-ups and oil changes, etc. Well, we have that same thing. There's guidelines for this. Uh, you should go in. First of all, know your numbers. Know your numbers. Come in and, and have your annual checkup um, or at least see your, your clinician uh, once uh, in a while, uh, probably sooner than once every 10 years. But, you know, know those numbers and know what your risk is. Once you know that, then you can address those specific risks that, that have come up. Failing that, know that a healthy lifestyle in and of itself is, is helpful. It's risk-reducing. What, what do we do? Well, be active. Be active. The recent um, American Heart Association conference uh, in 2018 released the newest physical activity guidelines, right? Uh, the, the problem is, is that not all of us have not – I mean, I don't think the majority of us have an hour to exercise a day. But the neat thing is you can do that throughout the day. You know, you can trick yourself. Set your Apple Watch or set your Fitbit. 15 uh, minutes here, 15 yeah. minutes there, 15 minutes. Exactly. Or even, even less than that, but set – Set it for 15 minutes to say, you know, just do like five lunges down the hall. Oh, my alarm got me. I'm going to do a push-up. I'm going to do one lunge and a squat. And throughout the day, as you do that, that's cumulative, and that adds up. And that activity helps maintain the muscles and the arteries within the heart. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and I think my, my biggest point here is that while it's good for your heart, it's good for your well-being, it's good for your well-being. You know, as, as you become physically active, you enjoy life more. Um, it's not really nice to have a lot of life at the end that uh, is not good quality. We want good quality now and to stack up that good health into retirement, into our older ages. And that's how you do it. Uh, you, you become more physically active. Watch, you know, what you're eating. We're not all perfect in the, the American society here. Uh, certainly, it's easy to grab a, a quick, you know, uh, fast food bite. And, and I, I'm privy to that. I mean, I, I have those guilty pleasures as well. But it's moderation and it's understanding, you know, for the most part, we probably shouldn't be eating those rich, you know, carb foods all the time. You can partake, but be careful about your intake and 
increase your activity. It, it, it makes life enjoyable through the journey, not just waiting till you get to the end of the journey. Well, American Heart Association also says just start. Yes. So, and, and I appreciate that. So start by saying I'm going to increase my activity and, and maybe you're going to increase, begin by saying 30 minutes in a day. Yeah. And I'll divide that up into five-minute sections. Maybe you're going to say for fast food, it's only once a week. I'll yes. just allow that. It's easy for me to count that. Yes. And then start over. So just small steps. Small steps. That will make a over time. It's a, a long a journey. Impact. Enjoy sure. that journey. <laughs> I, I love that. I know that um, Intermountain Medical Center and the Intermountain Healthcare Heart Institute also has heart classes, heart yes. health classes. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, uh, we, we talked offline about uh, the heart fair, but this this month we wanted to look at heart classes and actually each week has its own theme. Beginning at the first uh, week, I, I talked about women's health, heart health, and we directed it towards women's heart health. Uh, we have heart failure. We're talking about, uh, I think, um, well, cardiomyopathies and, and lipids, et cetera, through the rest. And they're at each of the major uh, Intermountain uh, hospitals. And you can find that on intermountainhealthcare.org forward slash love your heart, right? What, what a great way. Easy to remember. Love your heart. Well, and it's across the state, yes. Intermountain Medical Centers yeah. across the state. That information, that is so vital. So as we look at prevention, you talked about increasing activity, making healthier, nutritious choices. Yes. What's another lifestyle oh, uh, decision you know, we can make? Uh, in Utah, we don't have many people who smoke. But if you do, that's, that's probably your, your best bet right there to reduce your risk. Stop smoking. Don't start. But stop smoking. Um, that's, that's not an easy thing to do, but it's probably your number one risk reducing if you're a smoker. Um, you know, looking at those that are diabetic or have impaired sugars uh, when they get their blood tests, you know, that's that's dealt with by activity and, and food intake. As a cardiologist or, pardon me, someone who specializes in cardiology, um, do does do the rate of obesity concern you because of its connection to our heart health? Absolutely. You know, obesity by itself, um, it, it's, it does have its problems. Um, but I think what it is a marker of is that we aren't being physically active and watching our diets. Um, so I, I hate to point out obesity by itself. I think it's it's a marker. It's where we got to. And uh, it you know with obesity runs high blood pressure, high cholesterol, but really being sedentary. So as you you know say to yourself, am, am I heavy? Well, maybe. But what can I do? Well, I can enjoy life by being more active and watching my food intake. I don't want people to focus on that weight. I want them to focus on, can I enjoy life more by being more active and watching my food intake? The weight will take care of itself. Um, I, I think we get a little neurotic about of, it. Well, yes, because the weight has so many other emotional connections, Absolutely. shaming connections. Yeah. And when you're feeling that type of shame, that is not a motivator. No, shame take, is take not the a motivator. Right, away. That's not a motivator. Take so the shame away. We have yeah. to understand that. That, yep. that is fantastic. We, you mentioned that online at intermountainhealthcare.org slash loveyourheart. We can find information about heart health classes. Right. Can we also find information about our general heart health yeah. and, and things that, you know, if we want to follow up and look more into the coronary calcium score and, and the type of procedures and testing that's available at Intermountain Medical Centers? Absolutely. Within, within that link, 
um, are those classes, but also it provides education pieces, I, I believe, on that left column where you can click on things. Um, so we do have information on, on high blood pressure, high cholesterol, physical activity. At Intermountain, we, we have a way to health. It's a play on words. But, you know, I, I just said don't focus on weight. But, <laughs> but it is spelled W-E-I-G-H. Exactly, okay. yeah. So there is that program. But, um, you know, really what the focus is is on teaching people, well, if you've never exercised and you feel fear for the gym and, and you know, you think exercise is running, well, we'll teach you that it's not just that. We'll teach you how to uh, cook, uh, ways to cook. It's easy to tell someone, well, eat this way. But if you've never cooked that way or you know, went to the store to buy those kind of things. It's difficult. So well, we, and we step our, by step. The Intermountain Medical uh, Care Center, where we live, um, provides some great um, educational courses on yes. healthy eating. And it was interesting. My husband had set a goal. I want to lose. I think his goal was to lose 100 pounds. I know we're not going to talk about weight in particular, sure, but sure. his physician had said, this is probably where you should be. Yeah. He began with a nutrition class at the hospital. And that just gave him the education to understand portions, to understand choices that in his earlier years had just not been a part of his day to day. And and how empowering that is to have that information. We, you know, you we're. We want to put it in the hands of the community. Uh, we should each be the driver of our, of our own health. But if we are lacking that knowledge, it's very difficult to, to drive yourself there. So that's, you know, that's what we're here for. Intermountain, we believe in the patient. You know, it's in our motto, living the healthiest lives possible, right? We want to help you live the healthiest lives possible. And it starts with prevention and risk reduction. Uh, you know, it, do we lose business if you don't come in? That's okay because we want you to be healthy. We want the community to be healthy. That's the end goal, isn't it? Viet Le, a cardiology physician assistant with the Intermountain Healthcare Heart Institute, giving us information not only about our heart health, but the coronary calcium score. You may be wanting to talk to your practitioner about that if you have risk of heart disease. Viet Le, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure.